You're listening to Accent of the Podcast. Today, I hope you learned something new in English. In each episode, I interview a guest who has a distinct English accent. This gives all those English learners out there a variety of accents to listen to and try to understand. On today's episode, I'll be speaking with Gary, who is from Colorado Springs. Hello and welcome to episode number 45. Today we have an American accent and Gary is from Colorado Springs in Colorado, the state of Colorado. So there are many American accents and it's important that I feature quite a few of them for you to listen to. Gary has a very interesting story. He has a lot of YouTube videos out there. Uh, he helps a lot of people and he sort of stumbled into what he is doing because of his daughter. And I'm going to let Gary explain more about that because obviously I'm not an expert. Gary's daughter has a form of autism. And now the dictionary definition of autism is a developmental disorder of variable severity that is characterized by difficulty in social interaction and communication. As I mentioned before, Gary is going to go into a little bit more detail about what that looks like. So when he found out that his daughter had autism, he went and consulted with a lot of experts and received a lot of information and also he had his own experiences with his daughter and knew what worked and what didn't work. So he has videos out there. He's an author. He's written a book. And he also has online courses for people who have someone they know with autism. And it's to help them feel supported. Before we jump into the interview, I'm going to go through some vocabulary and phrases that Gary mentions. So he says that his daughter was having lots of meltdowns and a meltdown is usually associated with a factory. And when I think of that, I start to think about a nuclear power factory if there's a meltdown, it means that the factory is going to crash, it's going to be dangerous and everybody needs to leave. So if someone says to you, oh my goodness, they're having a meltdown, that means that the person who is having the meltdown may need some help and somebody might possibly have to intervene. Another term that Gary used was panic mode. So when you're in panic mode, that means that something has happened that's quite intense and that you didn't realize was going to happen. So you have to be prepared and try and fix the situation. And it can be very daunting, serious. Uh, some people may not react as well. And you just need to try and deal with the situation at hand. 
Another word I want to go over, and I've actually used this word before in another podcast episode when I had an American person on the show, because this is not a common term we use in Australia. And the word is playbook. And Gary said that you need a playbook. And correct me if I'm wrong, if there are any Americans out there who can uh, tell me if I'm incorrect, that a playbook is a book used uh, for sports teams to have all their strategies in there. And Gary said that it's like he needs his own playbook, which makes sense uh, that he would need a book of strategies to help his daughter. All right, it's time for the interview. Hello, today I am speaking with Gary. He is from Colorado Springs. He is a book author and his book is about autism because his daughter is autistic and has a sensory processing disorder. Hi, Gary. That was a lot to say. <laughs> How are you, Kimberly? I'm good. So maybe you can tell us a little bit more about yourself. Okay, so uh, I'm a father of two. I have a 11-year-old son named Christian and my daughter Monica, who we just mentioned. She is now a teenager, so she is 15 years old. Uh, I am a book author. We uh, wrote about our journey with autism, and then I created a digital course just recently to to help autistic kids who have these meltdowns and some natural ways to stop it. I have like a it's a five step process. What this program is all about. When did you start thinking about writing a book or making YouTube videos? Uh, for the book piece, it was about, let's see, time kind of flies. So it was about five, about five, six years ago. And it was because I, when I found out my daughter Monica was diagnosed with autism and sensory processing disorder, I was a parent in panic mode. I didn't know what to do. I never heard of these words before. And there's nothing more than being a parent who is helpless to helping out their child. So for me, I wanted to create this book to share our journey, to share some stories, to share some uh, expert contributors in the book, to really compact and compress a lot of information. So for parents who have a child who's being recently diagnosed with autism or sensory processing disorder, that this will give them like a like a, like a playbook of understanding autism and kind of giving them like a really fast um, uh, self-education start process so they can kind of have an idea of what to expect. Like what are some components our kids have? What are some of the therapies that we have to start going to? And what are some things that you can do as a parent to help your kid right now so you can start to bridge the gap so the world for them isn't quite a, a scary place for them and also so you can build up, build up your confidence so you can be an active parent and help your kid out as much as you can. How old was Monica when you found out that she was autistic? She was about six, I want to say. Uh, girls a lot of times get diagnosed later because a lot of times 
in the medical field, they will kind of say, and this is what they said to Monica was, oh, you know, she's, she's just being a girl. And um, so just, just wait a while and she'll, she'll come around. And I, I accepted that for a very short period of time because my stepdaughter at the time, which was, which is Monica's sister, who's a few years older than her, she started out very shy and she, it took her a little time to come around. But for Monica, that wasn't the case. What were some of the things that she was doing that were concerning you and that you started questioning if it was something else? She was not responding when you would call her name. She would not look at you when you would call her name. And she wasn't being like a little kid who's really curious, like playing with toys and doing those really normal sorts of things. And then just notice as she was um, getting a little older that the time that she was supposed to talk, she wasn't talking. So we actually started out nonverbal for a, a little amount of years and she would start to have these sensory meltdowns where because she couldn't express herself, she would throw herself on the floor and she would arch her back like a rocking chair and she would scream out of the top of her lungs and she would beat the floor with her knuckles and she would also beat herself up. So that right there was a lot of uh, signs right there that, you know what, something's wrong. And the sensory processing disorder, what is it? Sure. So um, like a really quick definition that comes right to my mind is that it's your your brain and your body, particularly your body, is having a lot of difficulties doing the normal day-to-day stuff like we do, like brushing your teeth. That was really hard for us because it requires, you know, it, re- it requires motor skills. Um, tying your shoes can be very hard. Um, eating using a utensil can be really hard. Um, speaking, you know, whether you're nonverbal or you're, you know, you're starting that process of learning to talk can be really hard because a lot of times one big thing that I learned was that a lot of our kids who have sensory processing disorder, they actually have very, very low muscle tone. So that means their muscles are, are very weak. And a lot of times they can't feel parts of their body like their hands and their feet because those are the furthest extensions from their body. And if you can't feel those body parts, you start to get scared and you start to cry. And it's, it's, really, it's really hard to do things. So um, sensory processing disorder is, is uh, having to learn how to, how to use your body and know that it's there and to make it best friends with your brain. What were you doing job-wise before you found out about this diagnosis with your daughter and now you've completely changed and you're in this field how yeah can you explain that for me (laughs) of course so I was working about a year before we got diagnosed I want to say and I had just graduated school as a personal fitness trainer so I went to a big box gym right away so I was working at the YMCA for a few years and then, you know, you know, Monica just, you know, she needs that daily extra support. And I was like, you know what, I got to take a leap of faith. So I, I did. And I, I became an independent personal trainer where I can have more control of my schedule so I can spend more time with Monica and give her that additional support that she needs on a daily basis. And you're still doing personal training now as well as 
writing books and doing these online <laughs> courses? Yes, I still do some personal training. Um, most of it right now is virtual because of the, the pandemic situation. So I had to learn how to adapt and adjust and pivot. Same thing I do with Monica on a daily basis. So <laughs> you actually learn skills during those times. So, you know, that's, that's, that's the cool part is there's always a plus with everything. So a lot of what you're writing about, is it trial and error? It is uh, experience. It's our it's our experience on our daily experience on our journey. And it's also, you know, when we were diagnosed, we had two therapies we had to go to first, which is very general and common that, that you go to when you have autism or sensory processing disorder. And that is occupational therapy uh, for the sensory needs. And then there's speech therapy to help you out there also. So what I did was I became a student and a practitioner. So when I went to each of those two therapies right there to start with, um, I only missed one day and we were there for, I don't know how many months, but it was a lot of months. And I made it a fact that you were offered the opportunity to go into these sessions. So I was like, yes. So I went, I went into those sessions because I was like, you know, I want to be an athlete for my daughter for her life. So I would go into those sessions. I would watch what the therapist would do. I would write down notes. I would ask questions. I would ask, who do you mentor? And then Outside of that, I would start my self-education process. And then what I did was all the therapies that we went to and all these other self-education things that I also did and went to, you know, conferences and stuff like that. I brought it all home because your kid spends the most time with you. So I made it a point that I was going to implement everything that we learned. So that's that's what I did. And that's how, you know, we're able to create our own system of what works for us on a daily basis. And I guess you would find meeting other parents at these conferences, they also have their own ways to deal with things too. Is that right? Yeah, that's the fun part because a lot of parents think that they're alone. But when you go to conferences like this or you join support groups, that's where you learn you're not alone. And a lot of things that you go through, these parents go through too. And then, you know, I've made some good friendships over the years. And your kids, because a lot of times our kids, they may not even have one single friend, but when you meet other parents and then you, um, you know, meet their kids and, and then uh, go to like some events together, that's, that's huge for our kids is to get, get that support on both ends, parents and kids. And did you like the series Atypical? Atypical? Um, you haven't seen it I'm on not... Netflix? Oh, someone just told me about that and I need to check it out because I'm not really on TV too much, but I definitely need to write that down and put it in my notes. So, hey, thank you for that. <laughs> I guess it's interesting for me not being a parent of autistic children and watching that show, I just wonder how parents of children of autism relate to that show and if they find it quite accurate so I guess that's why I asked about the series I'm interested now so I'm gonna have to check it out yeah well you do watch a lot of Disney I guess in your video you mentioned that you have used scenes to try and calm your daughter down yes uh, one of our special interests right there um, is Disney movies so you know for Monica, it's, it's these princess movies, Alice in Wonderland, Cinderella, 
uh, Aladdin, um, Mulan, and the list goes on and on and on. And for that, I mean, those those Disney movies, those people. Oh, Frozen. How the heck can I forget Frozen? Uh, Anna, Elsa, and all those characters in the different movies. They are they're they're real to us. They are real to us. Like you know, we watch those over and over and over and over because for us, it's an anchor. It's an anchor of support every single day. And when Monica decides that she wants to watch Disney movies or certain clips or or music videos with them in it, um, and actually, uh, really quick, her favorite music videos are are with these Disney um, different movies combined. And it's a guy named Pogo who actually lives in Australia. And we watch those every single day because she really likes the beats of the music and then the, the, the creativity of uh, how he puts all these different movies into one video. So it really, it really fascinates Monica and it's, it's, they're our friends or they're our family. Oh, wow. I haven't um, seen that. What we are watching that's huge at the moment um, in Australia is a, series called Bluey and I know um, it's Disney bought it in the US they wanted to change the accents but the people here said no <laughs> they said you buy it with the Australian accents and supposedly it's doing really well I actually love it <laughs> I watch it with my yeah, kids all keep the time those accents keep it keep it real like that I know well obviously with my show accented that's why I'm interested in that going yeah we'll keep our accents we don't have to have American accents <laughs> that's right yeah totally agree Oh, great. Well, thank you so much, Gary, for coming on the show and explaining what you do. I will make sure to put some links in the show notes. Yeah, appreciate you. Thank you so much for doing all that. Yeah, no worries. So go and check out the YouTube videos. It's really interesting. I think even if you don't have a child with autism, I think we need to be aware of this socially when we go to parks and we see maybe seeing somebody have a meltdown. I think being educated about that and understanding that we really don't know what's going on. Right. And they have no, they have no control of that, but having that support um, and making new friends makes all the difference in the world for us. So thank you so much, Gary. You're welcome. Thank you for having me on. All right. Bye-bye. Before we end the show, I just want to go through some common English phrases which were used. And Gary said to bridge the gap. And this is a very common phrase you would hear in English. And basically, if you can see a gap anywhere, a gap between some chairs or I think of the gap between the platform and a train, that's a gap. And people say to bridge the gap. So... Metaphorically, if we're going to bridge a gap between people, that means that there's a divide between two groups of people. And if you want to bridge the gap, you would build a bridge over that gap to bring people together. And that's used regularly when there is a big divide between people or something. A phrase that I used with Gary was trial and error. So I asked him if a lot of the things he wrote in his book were from trial and error. So what that means is to trial something means to do something. An error is a mistake. 
So usually they are our experiences. So if we do something wrong, we generally learn from that and move on. So we call that trial and error. And most people, most entrepreneurs would use trial and error and then they come up with something very successful. Thanks for listening to another episode of Accented. I'm your host, Kimberly Law. Accented is released on the 15th and 30th of each month. If you'd like to find out more about me, please head to kimslawofenglish.com. I'd love to hear your thoughts, so don't forget to leave a review of the podcast or even a star rating. Speak to you soon.